So in this week's parasha, which is the reading for this week, it comes um, from Genesis, uh, I believe, 37 through 40. And normally when people speak from this portion, they speak about Joseph and the similarities to Yeshua. But I'm not going to do that. Except to give you a quick 18 points of how Yeshua and Joseph are similar. But I'm not going to talk about that. Number one, he's the object of his father's special love. Number two, he had promises of divine exaltation. Number three, he was mocked by his family. Four, he was sold for pieces of silver. Five, he was stripped of his robe. Six, he was delivered up to the Gentiles. Seven, he was falsely accused. Eight, he was faithful when tempted. And by the way, I really believe that if you study Genesis and you realize what came before Joseph, you realize that Joseph stopped the general, generational curses that were in his family uh, through temptation. But that's a whole nother message. Number nine, he was thrown into prison. Ten, he stood before rulers. Eleven, his power was acknowledged by those in authority. Twelve, he, he saves his rebellion brothers from death when they realize who he is. 13, he is exalted after and, and through humiliation, his humiliation. And 14, he embraces God's purpose even though it brings him intense physical harm. 15, he is the instrument God uses at the hands of the Gentiles to bless the Jewish people. 16, he welcomes Gentiles to be part of the family. 17, he gives hungry people bread. And 18, people must bow their knees before him. <sighs> Got that out of my system. Okay. Now let's talk about Jacob. I I'm sorry, Judah, not Jacob, Judah. Jacob's the dad, Judah's the son. Jacob's fourth son is Judah. And talk about dysfunctional families. Oh, my goodness. Judah leads the pack. Um, and I guess he had reasons to be upset. Leah was his mom, and he realized probably early in life that his dad didn't really love his mom and that his brother Reuben was the leader of the brothers, so to speak, because he was firstborn. And his dad loved Joseph and Benjamin better because they were born from his other wife, Rachel. And so he was probably bitter and jealous. Yeah. And, and so there was a lot of dysfunction that he grew up with and a lot of dysfunction that he kept. So let's take a, a glimpse of part of his dysfunction, and then we'll get to the good part. There always is a good part. You know that, right? Okay. When the brothers threw Joseph in the pit, it was Reuben, of course, the head of the family, so to speak, or the brothers. 
he stepped forward and said, no, let's not kill him. No bloodshed. And it was Judah who said, hey, let's sell him into slavery. So we're going to profit by our brother. We won't go into that. Uh, Genesis 37, 26, 27 is what Scripture says that he said. Then Judah said to his brothers, what profit is there if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come on. Let's sell him to the Ishmaelites. Let's not lay our hand on him since he is our brother, our own flesh. His brothers listened to him. Anyway, it's possible that Judah felt guilt for his actions. But you know what? Guilt is really not enough. Because if you feel guilty and you condemn yourself, you're probably going to do worse things. And Judah fell into that. Genesis 38, 1 and 2. About that time, Judah went down from his brothers, meaning he left his brothers, and he camped near uh, an Adullamite man whose name was Hirah. Then Judah saw the daughter of a Canaanite man whose name was Shua, and he took her as wife and slept with her. Okay, so let's go over this. Right after the thing with Joseph, he leaves his brothers. He marries a Canaanite woman. So not only did he go against his father, he went against God and probably had little to no relationship with God at that point. So the story continues. Judah had three sons, and his first son was called Ur. And as he got older, he married Tamar. And Er was evil in the sight of God, and so God put him to death in Genesis 38.7. Now, Judah, as the tradition was, Judah promised Tamar a child by one of his other sons, but the second one refused, and God saw that and put him to death. His third son, Shelah, was too young to marry Tamar, but Judah promised when he got older that Shelah would give her a child. Judah didn't keep that promise. And after Judah's wife died, Tamar, I guess, decided to take things into her own hands, and she dressed as a prostitute and seduced Judah, her father-in-law, right, and asked for his signet, his uh, ring, his cord, and his staff, which Judah gave her in order to sleep with her. Next, we read in Genesis 38, 24, and it says this. About three months later, Judah was told, your daughter-in-law, Tamar, has been a prostitute. Look, she's even pregnant by prostitution. By the way, something I forgot to mention was when she was out there as a prostitute, she covered herself up so she couldn't be recognized. So he didn't know who he was, Judah didn't know who he was sleeping with. All right. So Judah says when he hears she's pregnant and she was a prostitute, he yells, bring her out and let her be burned. 
talk about hypocrites. And the interesting thing is it made me think of believers today. And often, one of the things that's talked about about believers by unbelievers, people who don't believe in the Lord, is that we're hypocrites. And it just made me think of, okay, what areas in my life am I a hypocrite about? It's a good thing to ask yourself. any rate, so um, Judah seemed to have what I would call a lousy character. And the interesting thing was his reaction to what Tamar tells him changes, it seems to change his life. I can't tell you it is a, a uh, Damascus Road experience, but it certainly seemed like it for him. So in Genesis 38, 25, and 26, it says, As she was being brought out, she sent word to her father-in-law, saying, I'm pregnant by the man to whom these things belong. Then she said, Do you recognize whose these are, the seal, the cords, and the staff? Then Judah recognized them and said, She is more righteous than I since I didn't give her to my son, Shelah. Which is also a little bit strange, don't you think? He, he didn't say, because I made her pregnant. He said, because I didn't give her my son. any rate, hopefully he took responsibility. I think he did, because he, he changed. So he acknowledged the fact that he made a mistake by not giving his son, I hopefully think he also, though it doesn't say in Scripture, he acknowledged his sin. It seems like an act of repentance. And after this incident, uh, Judas, as I said, his character seemed to change. Interesting enough, Tamar had twins by Judah, and one was named Perez, and the other was Zerah. Hold on to that thought. All the bad things that Judah did, yet God chose Judah. Chose him to have the, the tribe out of the 12 tribes that would have the kings and also be in the genealogy of King David and also in the genealogy of Yeshua. Now, I won't say who amongst you want to cast the first stone. I will ask you who amongst you would have ever picked Judah or Perez to be in the line of Yeshua. I don't think any of us would have. Now, if you follow the parasha, you would read in Matthew 1, 1 through 6, the genealogy of Yeshua. And generally, I don't spend a lot of time with genealogies, but in this one, I kind of had to look at it a little harder. It says, The book of genealogy of Yeshua HaMashiach ben David ben Avraham. Abraham fathered Isaac. Isaac fathered Jacob. Jacob fathered Judah and his brothers. Judah 
Didn't say anything about his brothers after that. Judah fathered Perez and Zerar by Tamar. But Perez fathered Hezron. Hezron fathered Ram. Ram fathered Amenidab. Amenidab fathered Nashon. Nashon fathered Solomon. Fathered Boaz by Rahab, which is also an interesting thing. Um, you know, because obviously, uh, you know, again, there were a number of interfaith marriages. Let's put it like that. Boaz fathered Obed by Ruth, and Obed fathered Jesse, and Jesse fathered David the king, and we can check uh, from David to Yeshua as well. And um, But I found it interesting because, again, I would have just not pick this group. I think that's helpful. It's helpful for me, and it's helpful for you. Because I wouldn't have picked you either. And I wouldn't have picked me either. And yet God has called us. Just like he called Judah. It took him a long part of his life to figure it out. But he called them. This is the grace of God. You want to know what the grace of God is? You know, people say, oh, there's no grace in the, in the Hebrew Bible. It's all about the law and this. There's so much grace. I can't imagine much more grace than what I just told you. That's grace. This is the love of God for Israel and for all of mankind. It should encourage us because God can transform anybody and use them for his purpose. God used Judah's sin to convict him of his unrighteousness. God used Judah to continue the line leading to Yeshua. Yeshua shows through his bloodline that he is not only the Messiah for the Jews, but for the entire world. No man is beyond God's reach. Through Judah's descendant, mankind has the promise of salvation and everlasting life. Who would have thunk it? So let's see how Judah changed. You know the story. There was a famine in the land. The brothers had to go to Egypt, right, for food. Joseph was in charge, but they didn't recognize Joseph. The second time they went, because they had to go a second time, they were required to bring Benjamin. And Jacob said, no, I've lost my one favorite son. He didn't quite say it like that, but they all knew. I'm not going to lose my second favorite son. But Reuben said that he would, being the oldest son, he took the lead, uh, he would give the lives of his two sons if Benjamin didn't come back. Oh, Dad, that makes me feel really good. You're willing to sacrifice me if, if you don't bring Benjamin back. Huh? Where did I come into this picture as, as you know, the two sons? Come on, Reuben. However, Judah, at that point, 
becomes the family leader. He says in Genesis 43, 8, 9, then Judah said to his father Israel, please send the boy with me and we'll get up and go so that we'll live and not die, we and you and our children. I myself will be his pledge. You can demand him back from my own hand. In other words, I'll die if I don't bring him back. If I don't bring him back to you and place him before you, then you can blame me all my days. So Judah offered himself as a substitute. He accepted full responsibility for the price of his brother's life. And when Benjamin is accused later on when they finally get him into Egypt and then he's accused of stealing Joseph's cup, uh, Judah again offers himself as the ransom for his brother's life. So Judah, in this sense, foreshadowed the role of Yeshua as a substitute. Yeshua substituted for all of mankind when he paid the debt for all of us. Finally, to show God's amazing plan, unbelievable plan, this is where scripture is just so fascinating and interesting. Jacob called his sons when he was ready to die. And it says in Genesis 49, Gather them together so I can tell you what will happen to you in the last days. In other words, I'm going to prophesy over you. I'm going to prophesy over you. And so be assembled and listen, sons of Jacob, and listen to Israel, your father. And by the way, you know, sometimes they call this the way he blessed his sons, but some of those sons really didn't get blessed. But at any rate. So when he gets to Judah... The fourth, Jacob has this prophetic blessing. And it goes from 49 and chapter 49 to 8 through 12. We'll just do a little of it. It begins, Judah, so you are. Your brothers will praise you. Now, if you that's such a strange thing for him to say. Do you remember what happened when Joseph had a dream and Joseph said, everybody will bow down to me and all this. And, and his, his father said, you shouldn't be saying this. Now, he says the very same thing for Judah that Joseph had the dream about, and which actually happened because he became second in command in Egypt. And, and so those things did happen, but he's prophesying the very same thing. But it's, it's, it's different in the sense that, that yeah. So it, it, it's just very exciting to see this. And then it says, your hand will be on your enemy's neck. Your father's sons will bow down to you. That's amazing. Then verse 9, a lion's cub in Judah. And we won't go through the whole prophecy because you, have to, you can take it one verse at a time. But let's go to the main part even though we'll read it. From the prey, my son, you have gone up. He crouches, lies down like a lion or like a lioness. Who would rouse him? And then it says in verse 10, the scepter 
will not pass from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until he to whom it belongs will come. To him will be the obedience of the peoples. So that is basically there's he's saying the Messiah is going to come from you. That's what he's saying. You have the the staff, and you have, uh, you know, but, but you can hold on to it until Yeshua the Messiah comes and he takes it because he is the one. I mean, that's basically what it's saying. And then all the people will be obedient to him because he will be the Messiah. I, I just... When I started really thinking about it, it just put chills in me to know God's plan and how perfect his word is and how perfect his plan is. And, and people, to some extent, are too lazy to just look at it and read it. They'd rather criticize it from far away. So Jacob's words not only were true, but Judah's line, as I mentioned, produced King David and his dynasty, and eventually through Perez came the Messiah, Yeshua, who is called. Now, Yeshua is called in Revelation 5.5, the Lion of the tribe of Judah. So Yeshua is directly showing his lineage from Judah. So you might have had tremendous sin in your life. But God, through his grace, wants to wash you clean. You might have made terrible mistakes in your life. But God, through his grace, wants to wash you clean. Over and over again, we have seen God take unworthy people and transform them and use them for his glory. It is never too late for you and me. It is never too late for us to realize that God has called us and it is time to get off the fence and serve him with all our heart, soul, and mind. 1 John 1.9 If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. We must know that Yeshua has done this for us. Let's pray. Father, I pray in the name of Yeshua for people to acknowledge Yeshua as their not only Messiah, not only Lord, but atoning work for cleansing them from their sin. And that it is through Yeshua we are washed clean and the guilt and the, the sin and the guilt of the sin are just washed away from us so that we can live a life that is, have a free conscience 
and that our works will be works to bless the Lord because we'll be so excited about what he did for us that we won't want to sin any longer. And so I pray in the name of Yeshua that people would give their heart to you, Lord, and that they would seek your face, that they would seek your ways. I pray this in the name of Yeshua. Some people, even here tonight or on Facebook Live, might have never received Yeshua as their Lord and Savior. Listen to what Romans 10, 9 says. If you confess with your mouth, Yeshua as Lord is Lord, and believe in your heart, that God raised them from the dead, you will be saved. It's that clear. It's that simple. So for those who have never done this before, or somebody who's backslidden, yeah, who has backslidden and wants to do this again, do it. Amen. Do it. Say, I am sorry for my sins. I confess Yeshua is my Lord. I believe that Yeshua was raised from the dead and I dedicate my life to you, Lord. And if you've said that, whether you're here or on Facebook Live, we'd like to give you a gift. So please let us know. If you're here, let me know tonight. If you're on Facebook Live, then text us, email us, call us, go to our website, contact us. We want to speak to you. We want to give you a gift so that you can start on your journey. Lord, during this Thanksgiving weekend, I thank you for salvation. I thank you for all those who have received Yeshua today, either for the first time or have renewed their desire to commit to the Lord. There is greater freedom in committing to the Lord than being a slave to the world. And so I pray and thank you, Lord, for your word, which is so exciting, for your plan, which is so amazing, and your love, which is so encompassing, and that I don't have to be perfect to be used by you, because you can and will forgive my sins as I come to you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I praise you and worship you. Thank you, Lord.